podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Sandy Spring Bank, we care about people, not transactions. So we concentrate on creating personalized solutions to start or grow a business that provides for your family, to purchase a home that will house the memories you make there, to save so you can enjoy today and then pass on your legacy to future generations. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk. Visit sandyspringbank.com slash real. Mortgage, home equity, and other credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank. I'm Paul John Dykes and today I am joined by JP Mason on a Celtic State of Mind. It's 12.30, it's Thursday, it's the Bulletin. JP, how's your week been, mate? Uh, yeah, good. Um, just uh, enjoying the fact that we, we got another three points at the weekend. I've mm. been building through my week since, uh, since Sunday. Um, obviously made it to, to um, the Tony Macaroni. I was determined to go, as I said last week, and I managed to move things around to allow me to get there and uh, I have to say as soon as I got there I had a good feeling and I said it to, to my mate uh, Nelly I was like I think we're going to do it today and he was just he was a bag of nerves and I don't know if it was because I was still drunk from the night before but uh, <laughs> I was at a stag day on Saturday and all day stag day on Saturday in Edinburgh and somehow despite getting home at 1am got up for 10am and was doing Livingston for a while. You are a trooper, like. You are a trooper. I've seen you travelling down from up north and making it for the 12.30 bulletin on a Thursday, <laughs> JP, but you, you always t- you're always talking and make me a bit jealous because you've got a far better social life than me because you're always out doing stuff um, and I'm in it here. It all just came at once at that time at the weekend. We've been barren spells, don't worry. <laughs> well, we'll of course talk about Livingston because uh, we've had a wee bit of time to digest the performance, uh, both as a team and of the individuals that that were reintroduced into the side. We'll be having a look at whether or not he's going to go with something similar against Dundee United, or indeed if it's going to be a scenario between now and the end of the season, JP, where Ange um, picks horses for courses and it, it, and it's uh, getting to the stage where it's difficult even to say what is the strongest 11. Uh, I think we've all got our own strongest 11 in our mind but it's almost as if we are looking at each individual challenge and encounter and picking a team to suit. Uh, plenty of other things to, to talk about, our current form of course. We'll also be looking at some of the moves um, with a Celtic kind of 
Tinge, Celtic-related moves. Neil Lennon has a job. Scott Brown doesn't have a job. Um, and of course, we'll look ahead to the Dundee United game as well. But there is a, again, it's become something of a tradition, JP Mason. There's a Celtic jersey over your right shoulder. And I want you to tell me, as I always ask, what does it remind you of? When I look at that, who does it remind you of? There's one game in particular that springs to my mind. I don't think we wore it that much, to be fair. I remember getting it uh, from the Celtic store that used to be on Socky Hall Street uh, and the sale, the end of season sale. It was in the sale rack and I always love a long sleeve strip and was delighted to get a long sleeved uh, number of that. And I, I guess it just reminds me of like Commons, Samaras, uh, Hooper, I guess, as well. I'm trying to think of the game you're going to be holding in on and I can't think. It must be, is it Command? No, it's not Command. We wouldn't, wouldn't have worn that at Command. I think we did, mate. Did we know where that in the three each game? Oh, really? That's, is that... that? Well, that's the game I'm thinking about, but I'm just double-checking it because I'm going to correct myself before somebody else does. Um, yeah, we did. Uh, we wore that in the three each game. I think nothing doing at half-time. Game in Celtic's history. Mm-hmm. Who, who knows what, how, how things would have gone had that not been turned around? Well, the man in charge may have lost his job. He's admitted that. 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, 11 years ago wow and we will be talking a wee bit about uh, Neil Lennon and the fact that he has a new job he's had to travel over to Cyprus after a year out of the game following his departure from Celtic but before we talk about ex-managers let's have a wee chat about Ange because during the week there in fact it was yesterday Kevin, Brian and Natasha had a very good discussion about how he has shaped our Celtic state of mind um, after 50 games in charge and of course he's been doing some really good interviews recently and I think it's no um, you know coincidence that some of the best interviews he does is with his fellow native Australians he just seems to warm to them a wee bit more than some of the uh, interviews that he does over here and the latest one I've got to say JP was pretty um, hilarious when you consider the Alan Brazil take on Ange when he came in I mean no matter how disappointed people were in the way that the club was being run at that time, and I, I make the point, I don't, I never did say, and I don't say, disappointed that Ange had been given a job because that wasn't the case. It was the way the club were 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 dealing with the fans, the managerial situation we had, how the whole thing. Nobody on this podcast came anywhere near the reaction of Ireland Brazil on that no. radio show. I mean, that was disgraceful when you watch it back. It was, and he's made himself look really foolish. And I think that's always the thing you've got to be mindful of when you're talking on something like this or like, you know, on national radio. You know, you need, you need to sort of be mindful that things can come back and, and bite you, you know. And maybe, yeah, I've said maybe things on this that maybe look foolish now, but with, with regards to Foster Coglu, I, I, I don't think I ever said anything like, oh, he's a dud, this is a waste of time, you know. There was never that level of negativity. There was there was huge question marks because you're, it felt like the Celtic board were playing pin the tail on the donkey in the dark. You know, like we, just, we didn't know whether they'd done any due diligence, and we, we didn't really have any uh, reason to, to sort of believe that, that they had done any. You know, because everybody was completely disillusioned with the club at that time. The the way that the that last season unravelled. I'll always say that there was mitigating circumstances for that, and there was, but mm. we didn't help ourselves with the way that we went about our business. 
uh, with regards to everything that was going on. So, you know, to get somebody in like him who has, like you say, united the, the support, because everybody was all over the place, weren't they? There was no, nobody was nobody was singing from the same hymn sheet. They hadn't all been together in a ground for an entire season. So you've got that whole kind of psychology of, of coming back into the ground and feeling a little bit displaced and a little bit kind of like this feels weird being back yeah. here. Mm-hmm. So you need you need somebody at the helm that that can that can unite, and he did that straight away, almost not not maybe not straight away, but certainly within the first four or five weeks, you were getting the vibe from him that he kind of knew what he was doing, and then you started to see the European results in terms of uh, you know the performance against Mitchelland was was a was a big marker for for all of us. I think when we when we saw that, and we were like, wait a minute. We're not that far away here. We're, we, but for near Beaton's petulance, we might have got to that high. Yeah. Who knows? I, I, they, they took it, us the extra time, JP. You yeah. know, when you watch it back, we were miles off where we knew Ange was, was hoping oh. to take us, but we did almost scrape through it. And oh. the one disappointment when I, I look back on these games... Um, as well as the beat on sending off, because you expect so much more from him. And I mean, you just need to look at the tagline. Uh, today, we're, we're looking at experience. Beaton's going to come into that, potentially, when we mm-hmm. face Dundee United. You don't expect it from him. But we line up against Mitchelland in the second leg with Dane Murray, who, by the way, I thought played really well that day. You know, mm-hmm. He came on as a, a sub that in, in the first leg as well, didn't he? But he, mm-hmm. he makes his first start for Celtic in the second leg. But what frustrated me is um, we had a player in Edward up against Sviachenko and we didn't know how to unlock that defence. And that I found totally bemusing because we had all the stats on Sviachenko from his time at Celtic. We knew his weaknesses. You know, you would have known it intimately because we were keeping that kind of data, JP. Yet, we, you know, Edward, who was meant to be our, um, you know, the, the jewel in our crown, he couldn't Ed- unlock that defence. Ed was out the door, though. We all know that. Like, he was already, you know, thinking about where he was going to go. The move might have even been signed, sealed and delivered at that point, but just not announced, you know? Like, mm. there, there's certainly been conversation, put it that way, because there wasn't that long after that that he did go. Um, what would be interesting would be to see an Ange Postacoglu side now yeah. taking on that Mitchell and side now, you know? Like, that, I think that would be fascinating to see what would happen and how, and you know, you talk about having the, the 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 stats on the opposition. Well, look at the stats that we've got to provide for, you know, the evidence of the of the arsenal that we have now in terms of Jota, Abada, Kyogo, um, Giacomakis. There's a lot of firepower up there that are all, as I've always said, hungry and they want to make a they want to make a mark at, at the club and. and and put their hands on silverware because they're not the ones that have lifted the quadruple treble. They're not the ones that, you know, I know that Rogic has talked about the experience of being top of the pile for the decade, but there's only a handful of those guys left. The club <laughs> itself, yes, but there's only a handful of guys left. So all this new breed are all wanting to, to taste that. Yeah, and it galvanises them as a team. You imagine going into next season with that under your belt. We've already got one trophy. Uh, when we get to the Dundee United uh, part of this show, the segment of the show, when we look ahead to the Dundee United game, we'll be asking the question, do you dare to dream of a treble? I mean, 
that seemed so far removed from the expectations of quite a lot of Celtic fans at the beginning of the season, JP. Um, we asked the question on the Axon podcast, uh, you know, on a daily basis, and I always go back to Kevin Graham, who tempering the, the enthusiasm, saying if we're in touch and distance by Christmas, we're now in March, we're midway through March, we're top of the league, we've got a cup in the bag already, uh, we're coming up against Dundee United in the quarter-final on Monday night of the Scottish Cup. Um, are you going to that game, by the way? you got a ticket for that? I haven't at the moment, and it's probably looking looking grim. Uh, I, I don't know the figures of what we've been allocated for the game, but I know that they've reduced the allocation again, and, uh, you know, Fair play if they've reduced the allocation because their their home support are going to sell it out. No, no problem with that, but I, I would be borderline, uh, you know, over a boiling point if I see big patches of orange seats on Monday night. You know, where whereby you could have accommodated Celtic fans and and, and if not because, uh, you know, we can go back to the Alan Burrows part or whatever. That's fine, but <clears throat> it's a Monday night cup game. It's a, it's a Monday night for a start, so not everybody's going to be as available as they normally are on a Monday night. So you want to maximise, it's obviously going to be on the TV, you want to maximise that surely for, for what you can. And well, I've not been, I honestly don't think I've been to Tanadice for probably about 10, 15 years, something like that. I mean, if you think about how long they were down, they were down for a number of seasons, mm-hmm. weren't they? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so prior to that, you know, you're looking at, sort of, you know, Tony Mowbray's tenure, right? That, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. and maybe even before that, I, I can't, I can't. I need to check my uh, <laughs> my very geeky ticket collection to see uh, when the last time I was there was. But um, I always just thought is a great ground to go to. It's it's proper old school. Feels like a, you know, you've gone back in time a little bit because there's not been that many upgrades made to it or whatever, you know. So. Mate, it's not, for me, it's not geeky uh, keeping all your tickets and everything because over the years, I just have given everything away. Honestly, the amount of stuff, just giving it away. And now you're kind of thinking, I wish I'd kept that, especially now that the wee man's shown an interest in Celtic. You you wish you could have, but there you go. So no, you're right to have kept all your gig tickets and all your game tickets as well. Um, You mentioned Tony Mowbray there and, you know, you mentioned the era of a manager. You instantly, men- you know, start thinking of certain players, certain moments that define the manager's career, be that good or bad. Um, and I'm thinking of Tony Mowbray. And I think there's two moments uh, within that particular tenure that are maybe under the radar um, and, you know, in isolation wouldn't have made a huge amount of difference. But I think when you understand that um, there were two players within the Celtic squad that Mowbray did not want to sell and they were sold. Um, following discussions with Peter Lowell at the time, one of them was, remember Danny Fox? Ah, yeah. We brought him in. The left back. We brought him in and we very quickly done a turn on him and made a profit on him. Um, another one was Massimo Donati, who started finding a bit of form under Tony Mowbray, but as soon as he did that and that, an offer came in from Italy, Celtic sold him, despite the fact that Tony wanted to keep him. So mm. I think what happened is um, the club got away with it with, with Danny Fox and they thought they could just do this and they'd done it again. And obviously it's quite undermining of a manager, isn't it? If uh, the players have been sold from under your nose. And However... We can in the squad as well. Because well, mm. I, mean, 
I think Dan, is Danny Fox kind of maligned in Celtic supporters' memory? Like, I mean, if people are watching this, it'd be interesting. Aye, what was your thoughts on Danny Fox? What if people just go up, shrug the shoulders at, you know, it was it wasn't that special. But I remember thinking he was actually pretty good. I mean, Mind he got a cap for Scotland. Oh yeah, I did. I. But I, I remember think. thinking that, 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 that you know I was quite happy with him as a first team, a first team player. You know, mm. I, remember, I remember him having any absolute howlers or anything like that. And he's gone on to have a decent career. And he's even still probably still playing. I'll check that while we're talking and just pretend that I know where he is. But I know that he eventually did play for the likes of uh, Nottingham Forest, didn't he? And he got capped for Scotland, etc. I do remember him being kind of uh, looked upon as being a bit of a dead ball export. He, he was actually playing in India until last season. And it, look, it looks as though he has a re- he's actually uh, retired now at the end of last season. There you go. I actually had a song, even had a song, which is more than James Forrest has got. Uh, I mean, it was only there five minutes and he had a song. It was pretty basic, but I think it was just his name sang uh, over and over. Um, until, until it fades. Yeah. Um, we'll certainly be talking about wee James Forrest. So, ever, you know, what sparked that was mentions of Tony Mowbray. So we're talking about the age of Ange and uh, the way he's gone about his business. He's come in. He's very quickly assessed the squad. He's managed to find a couple of nuggets in there that other managers maybe had overlooked. JP, um, they were maybe on the scrap heap. And he has managed um, a recruitment drive, which has been one of the most impressive in recent times. I mean, normally, if you bring in that volume of player, you think, right, quite a few of them are going to be flops. You know, they're not going to hit the ground running. But I just think a really high percentage of the guys that have come in and it had to, it had to be the case for this to be a success, have actually slotted in very, very quickly. And I think that's been key. So what we're talking about, things not going right before um, Ange came in, one of the big parts of that was the recruitment. But how right have we got the recruitment since Ange's arrival? I mean, pretty much spot on from the keeper right through, right through the team. There's not many of the players that you would, you would want to see sold in the summer. You know, uh, if anything, the two loan players we want to retain. Um, and, you know, we're obviously going to sign Maeda as well, which I'm absolutely fine with. This this fraud tag that was uh, thrown at him by that guy next to me, you know, pops up on Sunday, scores that first goal. Such a crucial goal in the game. Mm. Like like the Carter Vickers goal against St Mirren, that was the game that we needed. That was the goal we needed to, to sort of, calm everybody down and we got it so early and especially after the penalty miss and the pretty uh, open, not open goal, but it was a, it was almost a sitter of a header for McGregor and then he gets that on target, it's a goal surely. Um, so the, the, the Maeda goal was huge. So going round, going round the side with the signings, I, haven't, I don't recall ever having brought in that level, one, that level of player and two, them to have all contributed in, in the way that they have done. Um, and I'm sure we said last summer uh, these signings have to be right. Like you said, they have they have to be right. We can't we cannot make the same blunders in the transfer market that we have done. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. 
Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash Internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Uh, certainly last season, you know, Ayeti Barkas, Fallen Golly, um, Shane Duffy, John Joe Kenny, you know, I know that all these guys have, have now come out with those mitigating circumstances around, we know of the mitigating circumstances around Shane Duffy, who's in fact now playing first team football for Brighton in the Premier League and by all accounts doing all right. Um, John Joe Kenny starting for Everton. Which is insane. You would nobody in their right mind would have said that watching John Joe Kenny for Celtic. If you'd said to them, although he'll be starting forever in next season under Frank mm-hmm. Lampard, they would have laughed at you because his performances were nowhere near up to scratch. But he's come out and said I was having problems while I was in Glasgow. It was a difficult time for me personally. Um, that doesn't get taken into consideration sometimes. Hopefully, it will now on reflection. I mean. There was a lot of people, myself included, were like, this guy's not good enough. Um, but, you know, we're under a really, really tense, you know, pressurised situation where every result was being scrutinised and every, you know, every point was a prisoner. Mm-hmm. So we've got it. We've got, we, we had to get the, the signings right and absolute full credit to everybody involved with those signings who's, you know, sc- scouted the players, whether it's a mixture of luck the Coglu's Japanese influence has obviously come into it. They would never have been anywhere near Celtic without Costa Coglu, so there's that part of it. But then the, the rest of the signings, you know, you know, the Carter Vickers, Jota, uh, Starfelt, who was amazing on Sunday as well. Still, there'll still be comments <laughs> and, and on, on YouTube just saying, oh, "You're always sticking up for Starfelt. He's got a mistake, or he's a he's a bomb scare. He's this, he's that. He's like, well, no, he's 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 kept." He's kept the, the the opposition's attack out of our goals for however many games now. He's looked so solid. It was a it was a strong contender for man in the matches between him and probably near Beaton on Sunday for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I the, the signings all all across the board have have <clears throat> we're sitting here and I, I remember saying back then we'll look at the stats at the end of the season and one person that hasn't properly contributed. And the one that I said we need to assess and see as to what he's given us is James McCarthy. Because we all, we all spoke about the James McCarthy saying, and I said something at the time like, well, if you're sitting on 30, 40 games come May next year, then that will be a successful signing. But it, that that hasn't worked out. That, that's that's the, the outlier, the anomaly um, amongst all the, the, the sort of uh, the good ones. Yeah, and you know what? Because I said that I thought he would come good, I'm pretty sure that'll be brought up once or twice come the end of the season. Even if we're celebrating a treble, and at that point it doesn't really matter anymore. But yeah, you're right. I think when you look at the signings, that's the one. There was a couple of others that, you you know, there maybe were brought in more as development signings, but they were in that 
strange place now between the first team and the B team that if you're not getting a game for the first team, you're not playing. And that mm. was the, the two boys from Sheffield Wednesday who oh, I think, yeah. you know, the loan deals were the right thing for them. Uh, get them mm. out, get them game time, let them play and develop um, until perhaps, you know, there is an opportunity back here in Glasgow for them. Chancer, welcome back to the show. You are watching on YouTube. Anyone out there who's watching, you haven't done so already, there's plenty of you. Get yourself subscribing, you know. 65% of our audience doesn't subscribe to the show, JP, so... Click the button, get subscribing, loads of big content coming on the channel. Afternoon, Axon. They say there's no substitute for experience. Well, I would agree with that, JP. They also say young legs can run all day and have no fear. So for me, a mix of both is better. We will be talking about how Ange is going to face Dundee United. Will he go with some of the more experienced players that were drafted in against Livy? Um, one of the big things I would say, you mentioned McGregor there, missing the penalty and then... I think about a minute later, missing that header. And um, one thing, uh, blame the mask. Blame that 25% vision that you're losing. Absolutely. One of the big question marks at the beginning of the season, it was around uh, around leadership um, and who was going to take the captain's armband from Scott Brown. It would seem that there was absolutely no doubt in Angie's mind at any point that it was going to be Callum McGregor. I think he has uh, taken to that role brilliantly. There's been so many examples, JP, you know, the one that was pointed out, I think, by Chris Sutton before the Rangers game where it just showed you how influential he was uh, with with his teammates, a, a, a new group of players um, and how influential he was. But I think what we've got now is we've got quite a few leaders. I mean, I remember at the beginning of the season when we were having this discussion, I liked Chris Iyer. I thought he was a leader. Um, I didn't think he was completely... It was guaranteed, it turns out, that it was guaranteed that he was going to leave the club. He's one of the guys who never played under Ange. You know, Christy and Edward did play some games. I thought he was a leader. We lost him. We lost Scott Brown, another leader. But what we've got, we've got McGregor as the captain, but I also think we've seen a lot of leadership in guys like Nier Beaton. Um James Forrest, in a different way. He's not a screamer or a shouter, but he leads by example, doesn't he? And I think even Tommy Rogic. I think that, you know, with his experience at this stage of the career that he's at, that when he plays, he's obviously a senior pro. But we've also got a leader in Joe Hart as well. So we've gone from wondering and worrying who the, the captain's going to be to having a good sprinkling of leaders throughout the squad. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think the the experience of when when you saw the team sheet on Sunday, there was obviously quite a few people on online sort of tweeting it, going seriously, like question mark. Uh, and I, I didn't look at it and go, "Oh no!" I, I looked at it and thought, "Aye, I, I, I genuinely." I mean, it's documented on another podcast. I was confident before the game. Uh, and and really thought that we were going to do the do the business because of the experience and also because I'd heard that we'd been training on a plastic pitch, so mm-hmm. they'd been used to it and you know acclimatising. Which Chris Sutton was really critical of us not doing that ahead of the Bodo game and training on the park. I, I don't know if that would have made a difference. Had, had we, you know with the, the team that we put out, I don't know if that would have made a difference. Uh, <clears throat> you know over there or not? Probably not. But certainly there was something about Saturday that just the players didn't look like they were, you know, running in glue. You know, they, they, they looked like they'd, they'd, they'd 
already played for half an hour on the surface before it's, the game kicked off. They were already at ease with the, yep. the, the ball. And, you know, Rogic in particular, I heard Marvin Bartley on uh, on uh, Clyde, uh, I think it was last night, um, talking about how great Rogic was. You know, he's obviously got a, a you know a great view of him from, from the dugout. Maybe he hasn't seen a lot of him in, in, in recent games. Maybe watched the games that we've watched where he's not played that well. And then all of a sudden he comes to life against them at the, at the Tony Macaroni and, and and really shows his experience, like you said, and his undoubted skill and strength as well. Because he was he was he was brilliant on Sunday, and you, you, those are the players you're looking to to step up. And James Forrest, you know the much maligned James Forrest, you saw his celebration, didn't he look as if he was over over enthused with the Celtic support even though he's not on social media, which is a good thing for him, I would say, because, my God, does he get it tight on social media. Um, he took his goal, as you would expect James Forrest to take his goal, um, absolutely clinical. Um, and it was he was all over all over the place as well on Sunday, you know, being a real nuisance for them. And I, I, I just thought that, like the, the guy that commented there, Chancer said, the, the, the blend of, of, of uh, youth and experience is probably something that Postacoglu will call upon in this running now towards towards the end, you know, um, because these are the guys that have been over the course. These are the yeah. guys that have been top of the pile for the last decade. Uh, th- these guys can come in and and show the others the, the others the way. Um, I don't I don't think that means that we're not going to see contributions like huge contributions from O'Reilly and. Hatati and everything else, but then that's why you've got a big squad, isn't it? That's why you can you can you can look at the bench on Sunday to bring on to be, to be able. To be, when have we ever had a bench like that in recent times? The last time we were at Livingston, we were looking to near Beaton to come on and change the game. I remember yeah. that sitting there at, at the ground and looking at the subs warming up and going, "My God, near Beaton is the standout guy on the bench." Now that's not a disrespect to near Beaton, because but it's only because he's not the guy that's going to come on and change the game. The guys that we brought on on Sunday, Abada, uh, Abada um, O'Reilly, Hatati, these guys are all playmakers, can can affect the game in, in, a, in a positive way as opposed to slowing it down. Um, so that that right there is the, is a difference in Livingston. It's a pretty good barometer to measure Livingston the, fir- the first time under Foster Coglu and Livingston now. And he made... Costa Gogo made the reference to that as well, saying, you know, the last the last time we we sent the fans away from here with very little to cheer about, he says, I'm glad to be able to send them away today. And arguably a far more important game, because mm-hmm. we're at the, such crucial end. Back then it was like, well, we've got plenty of ground and time to make up points. Now we don't, because the games are running out, as the other uh, team know very well. They will know. When the, the screw is turning, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned Forrest, so let's let's speak a wee bit more about James e. Forrest. Like you say, the much maligned James Forrest. Um, I sometimes, yeah, I do sometimes take surprise with the the level, I think, of criticism when it comes to James Forrest. And I think leading up to the game, we actually discussed the fact that let's not forget it wasn't that long ago that he was making a decent contribution to this team. And the two examples I used was the goal, the goal 
it was in Leverkusen, wasn't it? Where Jota finishes it off. Forrest was instrumental in that move. It was from Joe Hart's kick out the back heel. Brilliant. One of the best goals of the season Celtic yeah. have scored. Forrest was absolutely um, orchestrating that move. And then you look at the uh, semi-final, the League Cup against St. Johnston. And you look at his part that he played in that game. That was this season. We're talking November time. And you think, well, he's not all of a sudden, right, lost it since then. Um, and again, going back to something you said earlier on, you do learn pretty quickly when you're doing the Axon uh, bulletins and that JP to, to choose your words wisely. So you're never going to go in, studs up and say he's finished. Don't think I've said that about any football uh, Celtic player. But I also look at the fact that he is only 30. Now, that's nothing in modern football. And I know that people will point out the fact that he's had some really serious injuries in the last two seasons, and I totally get that. I just think his recovery is going to take longer. But no way am I writing him off. No way should that footballer spend any point of his career at any other club other than Celtic he should finish his career at Celtic and I don't know if he's going to be like Scott Brown and play until he's 36 or if he's going to be one of these guys that's maybe 34 due to injury you know it catches up with him I don't know and a lot of his game of course is, is based on the speed isn't it so I, I totally get that he might not make it to 36 but it is the modern game players are playing longer I'm not ready to write him off and I think that that was a, another reminder for a lot of the critics, JP, at the weekend, that, you know, he's he's not finished yet. He's not finished. He's in his 13th season. He scored league goals in every one of these seasons. That was pointed out. And a remarkable record. 19 trophies. Um, he's going for 20 and 21. Um, dare we dream about the treble. Mm -hmm. 20 and 21 this season. But I did watch his, his celebration because it was uh, one of these fantastic Twitter pages that showed his first goal and his latest goal. First goal was against Motherwell, wasn't it? And, and there was a difference in the celebration that caught me. The fact that he looks like a young boy, which he was at the time, 17. But he barely celebrated. It was quite a, you know, he played it I, down. What, what felt, did you make of that, JP? I felt terrible. I, I hate seeing that. I, I mean, folk will, be, folk will say, oh, you know, what, what does it matter whether he celebrates or not? Or, you know, he's we still, you know, getting paid thousands of pounds a week, you know. But I just, I don't like to see someone not being able to enjoy that moment because it's going to have been tough for him watching in the sidelines. Regardless of what you say about him, he's a Celtic fan, you know, like he, he's a Celtic fan. He's obviously loves playing football because he's still doing it. And, you know, he's been on the sidelines and watching other people, you know, grab grab the headlines and, Celtic playing really well and he's not been able to be a part of it comes in scores the third goal which ultimately proves crucial in the fact that they got a goal back so you know you don't want it to be 2-1 in that game going into the last 5-10 minutes when they've got so many absolutely massive guys in their side who all it takes is a foul in the wrong part of the pitch and a ball swung in and suddenly it's two each that could have happened there's no way you're telling me that that wasn't a possibility we were comfortable we played them off the park However, they were a threat all the time. Nubli, uh, Obelai, um, there's, there's others. There's, there's a good three or four in their side that, that, that you know, can, well, they hit the bar with a header from a foul. James Forrest gave away, by the way, just before half time. Um, but, you know, Forrest putting that third in, that was the one that, you know, really kind of just 
uh, you know, put the game to bed, I think. And, you know, such a relief to finally win at that ground. Maybe it was a combination of relief, but I don't I don't think so. I think it was a kind of, you know, no, there you go, I, I can still do this. You know, have a bit of that and, and, and stop giving me it so tight. Um, I don't know if he gets sent screenshots from social media. I hope not. I hope people weren't uh, callous enough to, to, to send them those things. If they do, maybe it provides them with motivation. Hmm. Um, to, to to sort of to ram it down a lot of people's throats. I just I I've been slagged for this on this before, but like I, I really don't like seeing a tweet singling out a player for criticism that then gains traction on Twitter and becomes almost like everyone's thoughts. Like it, it, it invades people's thoughts to the point that it's like, oh, well, I saw that tweet, and loads of and loads of people were liking that tweet. Therefore, I'm going to think that way. Mm-hmm. That's what happens on Twitter. It's, Absolutely, it's such a weird, poisonous place to to live. Sometimes there's there's a lot of good things about it, but that side of things I really, really don't like at all. No, it, it really is a mob kind of mentality, yep. JP. And um, unfortunately, it's one that I have fallen victim of from mm. time to time. And people do send me screenshots of the numerous people that have been blocked yep. <laughs> uh, over the years. That for some bizarre, strange reason, so it's coming it's from the right. case as well. It's like this is, this is not opposition. This is within our own fan base. Singling out. I mean, if you do have a criticism of a player, fine, have that and 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 you know maybe have a conversation about it. But to put it online and to to make it so. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's almost like, you know, magnifying it and put it in it, putting it in lights. You know, I know and as soon as and like I say, as soon as it gains that traction, it's just like, well, that's that that starts to become a lot of people's thought processes based on that and mm-hmm. suddenly you've got Forrest equals written off or oh, he's, he's he's 30 you know he's passed it you know I, I just no, nah, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of that I hope but, it continually proves that it was wrong I really do Paddy welcome back Paddy uh, sporting your axom hoops afternoon PGD and JP hope you're all well and we hope you're well as well the urban and I cannot get this wrong after yesterday yeah. uh, the urban culture. Good day, fellow Axomers. The that latest Ange interview is the best sports interview ever. Well, he has a knack of um, providing very good fare when it comes to to interviews, uh, and I, th- I love his honesty. I think when Ange's talking, you, what you definitely get is a bit of honesty, and I've touched on this a wee bit. Again, it's just a theory. I'll never be able to prove it, but I just think after the Hibs game, it was all about, you know what, I'm just going to throw a protective blanket over my team here, and I'm just going to stand up for them. I don't care if you think they played rubbish, I'm going to tell you otherwise. And at that point, you're looking at a side, JP, with that 
didn't have the experience that we're talking about. They didn't have that nine in a row experience, you know, how to get a league title over the over the line. Um, and I made the point a few weeks back, some weeks were, were lining up and only two players have had 50 or more appearances under the belt for Celtic. That all changed at the weekend and I think it was the right time to change it go out there, bust the Livingston hoodoo, um, get that back on track. But I think overall, the manner of the performance um, was was so, so positive as well. But a big part of that, I mean, I know we've we've lost games in front of three stands at uh, Livingston. I get all this. But I don't understand clubs' mentalities where if they can't sell their tickets, and I think that's an important point you made there about Dundee United, if you can't sell your tickets, sell, sell to the tickets. Get the crowd sold out. And what an advert it is as well. Looking around that stadium and there's not a seat to be seen and it's sunshine and, you know, there's nothing better. It's a great advert for Scottish football. But I guess with the knowledge I've got of Scottish football, there's going to be loads of teams, probably more teams than not, who will refuse to do that moving forward, JP. Yeah, I, I guess I guess you're right. But the like the argument is that we had the three stands in the in the first game this season and it didn't do anything for us because they 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 snuffed us out. They they, they nullified any threat that we posed that day. Um I actually was talking about that on Sunday and I meant to look back at the lineup from that day just to see how different it was and who was who wasn't available and everything else because I'm pretty sure Kyogo was missing that day and there was some other fairly, you know, uh, prominent players who'd been playing around about that time that didn't that didn't make the, the first eleven. But yeah, the ticket thing, like the only reason that I'm having a gripe about Dundee United is, if, is as if as if they have reduced that allocation and then subsequently don't sell out their own, like because I don't know how many Celtic fans normally would get into Tannadice, but with it being a cup game, surely there has to be, you know. Uh, a minimal, uh, a minimal, minimal amount that they have to give us um, for for the for the game because it's a cup tie. Because whenever teams come to Celtic Park, like if we were playing Rangers in a quarter final or something at, at Celtic Park, we would have to give them X percentage of, of the ground or something like that. So I, 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 that's that's the thing. I, I don't I don't see it happening, a la Livingston. But like you said, that it does provide an atmosphere and it does probably give motivation uh, to the opposition to, to go out and, and think, well, you've brought all these fans here, we want to we want to silence them. And by the way, see when Joe Hart saved that shot early mm. on mm. and he scooped down, there was no, like, react. you know how you'd normally get a crowd reaction? Like if Joe Hart saved that um, at, uh, at Ibrox or something like that, you would hear, like, a massive... You know, reaction to the save and the fact that it was nearly a goal. There was nothing at Livingston because then almost an entire ground was Celtic fans. So we were all silent to it, so it just sort of passed off as like a kind of, oh well, that was a save. But then you look back at it, it was an incredible save. That mm-hmm. had it been in a, a neutral ground or whatever, it would have it would have generated a, a kind of a, a noisy reaction from from the the, the home support, but. They just didn't. They didn't get anything. That was a bit strange, but um, no, it was. It was great to be there. It was, I, I, I firmly felt that the hoodoo was going to get lifted on Sunday. I just thought it had to. We had to. We had to win by hook or by crook. But the fact that we won with such um, panache and you know piling on the agony, putting on the style. 
the thing is, you know, when you look at that run of fixtures in front of you, JP, and you say, right, in order to win this league, you need to go and do this. You need to go to a stadium you've no won in an X amount, you know, and it's one of these things, like you say, it had to be done. It didn't matter how long it, you just had to go and win that game. And it's exactly what they did. But interestingly enough, when you mentioned the lineup from the previous game, I'm going to read it out to you. Um, and there might be a few surprises in here. When they beat us 1 0 earlier in the season, the lineup was as follows Hart, Juranovic, Bollingoli, Carter Vickers, and Welsh. Rogic, McCarthy and Turnbull Abada, Ayeti and Jota so that was the starting lineup, and that is quite the turnaround since then there's a few players in there who I doubt will play for Celtic again Bolingoli will not be uh, I don't think representing Celtic again by the looks of it David Bradley comes in on YouTube hope he keeps Forrest in needs the game time, says David. That's for the Dundee United game. Estepona boy, afternoon to all my Axon mates from sunny Estepona. Thanks everybody for joining us. We do appreciate everybody getting involved. I've never heard of Estepona. I don't know where that is. <laughs> I've genuinely never heard of it. I mean, it there you go. Spain somewhere. Potentially, it does, but... doesn't it? I'm sure. That, is there a CSC out there? I'm sure there will be. Celtic bars will know. Uh, Magnet67, afternoon Axon team. I think the players will be well rested and coach ready for United yet. And Ange will play the strongest team, of course. The question is, what is the strongest team? This is the big question. Um, we were talking there about James e. Forrest. Another question around the, the striker, obviously, uh, the big question mark at the moment is, do you play Maeda? Do you play Yakamakis, who's now back from illness? JP, but let's have a wee chat about Maeda because he's another guy that was coming in for a fair bit of criticism. He scores the opening goal, he wins the penalty, and he's the one that's putting Livy under the pressure when he scored the OG. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's three big, big moments in the game, as well as everything else that Ange is telling us about um, and promoting him for because he does, you know, close down constantly. You see the amount of times he tries to win the ball back in our half and Often he does because he just has that burst of pace. Um, I think he's he's a player who has come under a fair bit of criticism. Um, my kind of view on him was that he must be some player if he was above Kyogo in the shopping list. Um, he's only one of the four Japanese players who Ange has managed, and you know you think of all the Japanese players that he's managed uh, previously, and he's the one guy he wants to buy. So you think. You know, there must be some player. And, you know, maybe you're you're not focusing so much on the fact that there's not been a break between the Japanese league ending and the Scottish league um, or his introduction into the Scottish league in January um, and the fact that he's had international uh, travel, etc., to play international games. And I think Maeda's doing just okay, to be fair. I don't think he's been as bad as a lot of people are making out. I think he's done, he's done pretty well. And he was, for me, he was a big player on on Sunday, a big part of that victory. Massive. I, <clears throat> I said when, uh, when I was talking to, to Melly before the game, I was like, I think what he needs is is a big goal, i.e. a good a good goal. Like, you know, if he'd scored that over the shoulder volley, remember we were talking about the David, like, oh. against Belgium, which I did watch after uh, we finished talking that day. And uh, What number was he wearing? Oh, Platt, because he wasn't their first choice, was he? What number was he wearing? He wasn't in our first choice in the England Really? He was, did, he did, he not, did he come on as a sub in that game? 
on it. I, I just watched the, the, the just a clip of the free kick going into the box, and it was in the last minute in, uh, in against against Belgium. Um, what a, what an absolute screamer goal that was! But I was saying if Maeda got a goal that got everybody off their seats, and you know, was like, well, that's some some goal Maeda scored like that. That almost might turn a few people's opinions uh, on him. I, I don't know, but. At this stage of the season, I don't really care what kind of goals he scores. That was a two-yard header following up from Starfield, by the way. And yes, OK, it wasn't a corner, but my God, the amount of scrutiny over that corner kick, unbelievable. Like, I know. that is absolutely insane. Like, this, the way that sports scene went on about it as well, and, oh God, online and everything, it was just... That the, from 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 the other side and oh my my word I've I've rarely seen something as uh, as as futile as that like get get, get analysed to death um so uh, yeah the the Maeda goal huge goal two yard header but he was there to score it he, had to, he he went into the space that he knew that it would go to if the keeper got a touch to it so he's 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 reading the game is is really good and like you said he he came back. I, I, quite a few times and won and nicked the ball um either Livingston's centre half or midfield and started mm-hmm. moves that could have led to further goals and probably yeah. should have led to further goals. Um, so making judgments on players after however long is you know, go back to Henrik Larson, you know, like what what were people and the thing somebody mentioned this recently, like what would social media have said about Henrik Larson in those first you know, six to eight months. It certainly wouldn't have been saying, you know, that he was going to be one of the greatest players that Celtic's ever seen. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying that Maeda's going to be that, by the way. I'm just saying that making a call on a player so early on, um, you know, with such a small sample size, is, is just, it's, it's not, it's not, it's, I think it's because we've been burned so many times by by poor uh, signings, but we should learn to, to trust the fact that, you know, this guy's been brought in on Postacog to say so and he's not got very much wrong on that front so far I think that that's a big thing for me is that if it goes through that filter the, the Ange Postacoglu filter and he's part of, of a signing there is a massive level of trust there because you do trust in Ange Postacoglu because at this stage there's absolutely no reason not to we spoke at the top of the show about the reaction of some people uh, the overreaction of some who should know better when Ange was actually appointed. And what I would say, because again, this goes back to your point where people start piling on Twitter and then a myth becomes the truth. Mm-hmm. There was no big witch hunt uh, for Ange Postacoglu in a Celtic state of mind. And I've heard that mentioned time and time again on Twitter. That didn't happen. That simply mm-hmm. did not happen. Well, and in actual fact... Watch what we said, do you know what I mean? It's not as yeah. if it's like deleting videos or anything like that, do you know? It's all there, you're right. And the thing is, JP, what we tended to do was say, well, what's my knowledge of Australian and Japanese football? Not great. Therefore, we'll get the specialists, we'll get the the experts on the show and we'll talk to them. And that's what we did. They they were brought in as guests um, and Jared continually comes in uh, on a monthly basis now on a Friday and talks about uh, the Australian take on Ange Postacoglu. Um, I, I must admit, three defeats in six league games that was a concern that was a big concern at that point and we spoke about it at no point were the words Ange out ever uttered but 
if you want to go into Twitter, apparently that happened and it didn't. It simply didn't happen. And, and I think that that's important to point that out. Um, you were talking there about Maeda, who's come under a bit of um, criticism. Forrest, who's come under a bit of criticism. Starfelt, he's up there. You wow. know, he is up there when it comes to criticism. And uh, again, looking at his performance there at the weekend, and I just thought to myself, you know, he's been persevered with to the point where he's grown into that, um, that you know, relationship that he has with that partnership that he has with Carter Vickers. Um, the one thing I want from Starfield is a goal. And I think when it comes, it's going to be a big one. He's the only, player, he's the only outfield player that's not scored for us that started that game at the weekend. Yeah. Um, and I want a goal from him. If, if, it's, if he saves it for Ibrox, I, I'm cool with that. That 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 would again, like I said about Maeda scoring a quote unquote good goal. I think Starfelt scoring a goal against anybody at this point in the season when it when every everything is so crucial, I think that would that would hopefully, you know, win over a few of the doubters because it's absolutely I, I started to feel like I'm losing my mind by the fact that I want to defend the guy because I'm like are you not seeing what I'm seeing this the, the performance levels and you know the way that he's keeping the back line together with Carter Vickers, it's it, it's so impressive, um, and it's so far away from what you know we're used to as a as a, as a defence because we're, our defence has been you know a shit. And I know everyone will point to Europe. I think you make a judgment on Europe next season. I think that this season was too soon for Europe, but yet we still made an okay fist of it at times. You know, Ireland mm-hmm. cousin away, you know, that we really gave them a run for their money. Betis away, we gave them a run for the money as well. Ferish Varos, we righted the wrongs of the previous season by beating them home and away. Um, Bodo Glimt is, is, is the anomaly. I'll be interested to watch and see. I'm more interested in the Bodo Glimt result tonight than the one in I- Ibrox. Because Bodo Glimt are, take, are taking on AZ Altmar in the, in the Conference League. So, I'd like to see how those two teams fare against yeah. each other and what mm-hmm. Bodo Glunt can what, what Bodo Glunt do to them. Um because as much as we got slagged for the Bodo Glunt thing, a lot of people have gone have gone, wait a minute, have you have you not have people not been paying attention? Neutrals, I mean, neutrals are saying Bodo Glunt are actually a good side. You know, yes, okay, they play in a tiny wee stadium and people are hanging out of a, of their bedroom windows with a pint watching watching the game. Um that's all very well and good, but they've got a good good manager and they've got a good setup and they've dispatched Roma uh, at, at that same stadium by six goals to one. You know, I mean, that you don't do that if you're, if you're just your stupid wee team that's named after a character for Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings or something like that, which is <laughs> a lot of the disrespectful part that was flung about at yeah. them. Um, it just so happens that sometimes these wee teams come along and they've got their... their uh, I was going to say someone else there, but they've got their stuff together, and uh, and and they and they can they can make an impact um, as we have done as a wee team because at the, at the moment we kind of are still a wee team again in Europe. We we went and beat Lazio home and away, you know. I mean, our pre our past name as Celtic obviously meant that people that some people weren't that surprised at that. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. 
Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. But it was a, that was a huge, huge thing huge. for us. First for us. win in Italy, you know, first yeah. time I've ever won in Italian soil. Exactly. Incredible. Exactly. Now you've got a fan in Daniel who reckons you bring balanced and a clear perspective and reality to Celtic players and performance. JP, well, I'm, there you go. I'm glad to, I'm glad to uh, be saying something right. I mean, just sitting here in my living room talking to you about Celtic. It's, uh, I, don't, I don't think of myself as some uh, all-CNI or better than anybody else or anything like that that seems to have been uh, fired about at people on, on, on uh, this particular podcast I don't that's we we speak for an hour a week about something that we're both passionate about JP and that's what it comes down to exactly Uh, Kevin Graham remember him Mulgrew yeah I get what you're saying Kev Charlie Mulgrew definitely springs to mind when I look at that jersey over JP's shoulder and on Facebook you've made that up (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's that's the greatest. Um, Facebook user reminds me of FC Sion away. And by the way, you've made that up. Is probably the best comeback now on Twitter for anybody <laughs> throwing any nonsense about. Uh, Ryan Kelly, yeah, it reminds me of Stokes as well. And you know, Stokes is one of the guys that did not, I don't think, fulfil his potential. Even though he reached the heights with Celtic, you know, by the time he leaves Celtic, he's still at that age. He's twenty seven, twenty eight. He should have achieved far more in the game, but he didn't. He left, and um, you know his career. I don't even know if he's got a club as we speak. But the manager of that particular game, let's talk about the manager of that game, Neil Lennon. He's found a job. He's mm. away to Cyprus. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm not gonna say I knew that was happening. I didn't. But I did expect that to be the type of move. What I mean is, I didn't think his next managerial position was gonna be in the UK. So he gets the job, he's over in Cyprus. What was your um, initial reaction to that, JP? I'm pleased for him, you know. I I, 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 I don't wish any ill upon Neil Lennon. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't blame him. The blame does not lie at his door for last season. I mean, he's partially to blame, no doubt, but... I don't, I don't, I don't think you can just go. Oh well, it's all his fault. He's to blame. Everything else, you know, I, and and therefore, you know, I, I I want to see the guy do well. Whether or not that is the right move for him, I don't know. It's a move as opposed to not a, no move. Um, I did read, I think it was Stephen Presley saying that they're pretty unforgiving out there in terms of how long they give you in a job. You know, and he he you know did all right in one job and then got a move maybe to another club and then was given hardly any time and then he was he was out on his mm-hmm. ear. The 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 um the, the, the pattern that he had with a friend over there was like, Oh don't unpack your suitcase. That was what that was what he said. 
about it. So he was kind of saying that almost indirectly to Neil Lennon about don't unpack your suitcase. But um, I don't know. Cy- Cyprus is somewhere I've always been fast. I've never been, but I've always been fascinated with it because my next door neighbours used to come back with pirate videos from Cyprus when I was a wee guy. I remember they brought back the Turtles film before it was out in the cinema and they'd been in Cyprus on holiday so that's what I think about the things you had to do back then it's so Uh, easy for everybody now access is so easy now you just go online and download you had to wait for your neighbour to come back from Cyprus to see it probably I know I was so excited getting to see the Turtles film before it was out in the cinema it was was quite a moment but I did notice that um, and I've been meaning to look up their gear uh, the Omonia Nicosia that's the correct pronunciation because they've got the shamrocks Crest. They've got the shamrock, so I mean they, they might have some some decent clobber, as has a Celtic state of mind. Ah, as a lovely segue, <laughs> a lovely segue. Yeah. By the, way, by the way, can I just say no agenda? I was holding <laughs> text me and say, "Won't just sort of slyly bring up the fact that we've got new merch." That did not happen. It was completely natural there. So uh, I, I happened to see the video like anybody else that follows the the, the channel. And saw the video of the of the new merch, which looks fleeing. Some of the uh, like the Kappa one in particular. Bizarre. Um, it looks so the, good. I can't remember the, the name of the logo. Is it begin with an L? The the oh like a, Lomo. A Lomo. Ah, yeah. That one. Cool. See the thing, I'm I'm at the stage where I think stick a shamrock on sun and it starts to look good, you know. Yeah. But. Um, what I loved and I retweeted it this morning was the band from Nottingham The Chase that were up doing a session they're now bouncing about on tour wearing the Shamrocks uh, trackies which is tremendous so uh, keep wearing them guys that's what we like to see so Neil Lennon is in Cyprus like yourself we wish him all the very best um, he's been out the game for just over a year probably needed that time to recharge the batteries it'll be interesting to see how it goes over there uh, with Neil Lennon but you know, as soon as he gets a job, people are talking about uh, meeting them in Europe next season and all the permutations and everything that needs to happen so that Celtic meet. Listen, just wish him all the best. The chances of that happening are surely very, very slim. Very slim indeed. Very slim indeed. And in the meantime, uh, coincidentally or not, Scott Brown de- decides to hang up his boots at Aberdeen. Yeah. Um, our once esteemed leader. Scott Brown, where next? There's been some suggestion that he's going to go down and have a wee chat with Brennan Rogers. Uh, where do you see Brown's coaching career taking him? Uh, I, I really don't know. I know it's, it's public knowledge that he went for the St Mirren job, right? Like that's, I said that to somebody recently as if uh, like it was something that I'd just heard and they were like, oh yeah, that, everybody knew that. So he went for it and Kevin Thompson went for it. Mm. Naismith, Stephen Naismith as well. Was that oh, right? Yeah. I yep. think, I, like I think I think that was a thing, but um, so maybe the fact that Scott Brown was shown that he wasn't fully committed to Aberdeen by going for that job interview made Jim Goodwin make that decision, or they came to the decision together, or whatever. I just I don't like the I don't like the idea of him not finishing the season as a player like that. Hmm. It feels unfinished. It feels. In the same way that he left Celtic, and by the way, he didn't run away from Celtic at the first sign of a challenge. He, he clearly knew that his time, his game-playing time was going to be limited at Celtic this season and wanted to move elsewhere. And by the way, in those two games against Rangers, scored one and got a, a draw in both of them, which 
could potentially have an impact on their uh, title challenge this season. So I don't subscribe to the fact that he's some sort of coward who and all his medals don't mean anything because of this, that and the next thing. Guy's unbelievable and the people in the game that have spoken about him have said as much. Um, I just, I don't, I hated the way that it ended for him at Celtic last season where there was those pictures of him in the middle of the park, you know, in an empty stadium. Hmm. Hot, like, hot, it was just horrible. Like, that, that's not how he should have left Celtic. So, um, and they doesn't even get a, a farewell as Brunner from Aberdeen. You know, like it, it, it just walks out the door one day, and there's no Scott Brown in, in Scottish football as a player, but without any kind of. And, and he's probably not the type of guy that will care much about that. But as someone who's watched his almost every move in his career, and I'm talking about as a Hibs player. Celtic player and now you know I watched I watched him at Aberdeen you know to, to see how he got on and for Scotland as well you know it's it's just weird that he just goes out with this kind of whimper it just doesn't sit right with me that, that that's how it would that that's how it would play out um, as for his next move I would probably say that going and doing some recce work in, at clubs would be an idea for him rather than just jumping straight in. I think, I think this, if had he got the St. Mirren job, I think that would have been a terrible, terrible idea. <laughs> you know, I don't, I think that would have been a false start. I mean, Aberdeen has been a false start for him as a coach, ultimately. Um, you know, because of, because Stephen Glass lost his job because he was kind of hanging his hat on Stephen Glass doing, doing well. And he hasn't, so he's become collateral damage to that. So I think he wants, he surely wants to be a number two somewhere before he takes it over a club, like as in a number two with an experienced manager and not someone, no disrespect, but not someone like Scott Stephen Glass, who isn't, you know, hasn't been through the the rigors of, you know, seasons, season after season, and and, and X League or whatever. You know, I mean, it's. I think that's ultimately why Glass has fallen, fallen on his sword at Aberdeen because he didn't have that that experience, that clout. You know, Jim Goodwin has been in the trenches as a yeah AFL manager, and you know, don't want to say that knows the game, knows the city or anything like that. But you know, he has he has got his stripes here, so you would expect that he'd be able to transfer that to Aberdeen. Mm. See, when you're looking at, at the way that the the progression of a player to the manager, um, if mm-hmm. you like. I mean, we've spoken about Neil Lennon before. Neil mm-hmm. Lennon's first managerial position is mm-hmm. at Celtic. Um, Jimmy Goodwin, sorry, Jim Goodwin, I'm thinking of Doves, Jimmy Goodwin. I know, I, you always say that and I think of that when you say that about Doves. <laughs> Jimmy Goodwin. Um, he did the whole Alawa St Mirren, Aberdeen. It's a, for me, that's a good pathway and Jack Ross has taken a similar pathway, you know, Sunderland and Hibs. Uh, Paul Hartley looked as though he was taking a good pathway, but he's taking a step back, maybe to take a step forward. But I do, I, I share the kind of view that if you go straight in at that level, sometimes it's win or bust. You mm. know, you might not get that second chance if it doesn't work at you know Premiership yeah. level. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And for a guy like Scott Brown, iconic uh, figure of Scottish football that he is. I hope it works out for him. Whether or not he comes to Celtic, and I know that that's been a discussion point this week, if he's good enough, yeah. I love the fact that we've got that unbroken link to the very beginnings of our club, and we spoke about that from John Kennedy to William McStay, Sean Fallon, 
Jimmy McGrory, Willie Mealy. Brilliant, love all that, but only if you can do the job. Um, so if Vance Postacoglu doesn't want him at Celtic, fine. I, no, trust, I trust Angie's kind of take on these things. Definitely. The, 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 the chat came up with, I don't know, it was another podcast or whoever I was speaking to about the whole um, back backroom team at Celtic, you know, Gavin Strack and uh, John Kennedy and how they've been, you know, maligned or whatever. My only concern with them was that the manager that was in situ didn't want them. You know, if Neil Lennon didn't want John Kennedy and got, uh, Gavin Strachan, then they were an issue to me. If Postacoglu didn't want John Kennedy or Gavin Strachan, then they were an issue to me because that's meddling from above, mm-hmm. which is which is what we said at the start of this season was something that couldn't ever happen again. Was this like, you know, this, oh, well, they don't make the decisions anyway. You know, like the manager's got no say, the manager's a puppet. You know, doesn't have a say in the signings, doesn't have a say in his backroom staff. But he's come in and said, "No, I've assessed these guys. I'm happy to work with them, as I have done at other clubs when I've worked with people that have been there." That they cease to be an issue for me at that point, whether we are winning or losing. Like it's not about because we're, we're suddenly like Gavin Strack and I like John Kerry because we're winning football matches over top of the league. But it's because the manager wants in there. It's mm-hmm. not that's, that's that, that has to be, I think, clarified for. Certainly for me, anyway, because that's just what I think. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. Now, you have a programme yeah, I just from your shelf. That, that is, go and show us the front cover, mate. Oh, I, just, no, I, would, I wouldn't just pluck a random one. It's just because this is so old. This is from March the 10th, 1995. And, uh, you know, Lil Z on Twitter, who posts up the, the goals from the games, he posted it up, and I saw it this morning, and it was... Uh, that night, I mean, I was at the game. I think I would have been there with John Green, my pal, who may be watching. Belated happy birthday, Greeny, by the way. Um, uh, we would have been at that game on a Friday night, probably with his big sister on the Bathgate CSC. And the lights went out. The floodlights went out. I don't know if you... I was there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> brilliant. And uh, I was at, there was a delay. And did, did the whole match, like, kick, it did kick back off again, didn't it? It did, aye. I remember that same season though there was a there was an electrical fault. Yeah, it is. The man. Aye. There was an there was an electrical fault uh, before one of the, remember that season uh, and the turnstiles stopped working, oh. and there was loads of people locked out. Okay. There was an issue that season, I'm guessing, with with yeah. electrics. And uh, that, that, that wow, brilliant that wasn't it? See that strip though, yeah. I didn't like it at the time. That's one of the ones. I it's age. I think it's improved with age. Wasn't that yeah. Tosh McKinley's debut? He didn't wear the hoops on his debut. It was against Dundee United in the fog, and he wore the away strip. I'm oh yeah, sure the, it was. The, the, the socks are cracking as well. They're like we've got the, the, the trim at the top. Um, Much underrated. And that that strip now, like, would probably cost you an absolute fortune if you were trying to buy an original of that. I know you can get the the DH gate kind of Schneiders but um, uh, <laughs> I, that, I, that strip and the one behind you will be appearing in my forthcoming book on Celtic jerseys there's well, another plug in 2027 <laughs> <laughs> it was due about 10 years ago mate and that, that isn't even a, a, a over exaggeration is that Biggins oh there we go oh, brilliant uh, welcome welcome to Nostalgia Corner with Axon um, 
I love that. I, I love that campaign, even though we were at a stage, Fergus had taken over, um, but we knew that the, the biggest amount of investment wasn't going to be in the playing staff. So you've got Tommy Burns. See the thing where, where people talk about rebuilds? A lot of the time, people never mention the Tommy Burns rebuild. Mm-hmm. He had the biggest rebuild on his hands. People don't really mention that. They talk about the Vim Janssen rebuild or the O'Neill rebuild. Mm. What about Tommy Burns' rebuild as well, I, though? I would never appreciated that at the time. I mean, I was, what, 14, 15 years old at that time. I wouldn't have been looking as intense, as intently as we are today about Ange Postacoglu's rebuild. I, I didn't probably pay attention to that. I would just be like, oh, we've signed somebody or somebody's gone. or You know, I would never actually think of the bigger picture of what he, did, he was having to do. So I would be interested now to look back at this uh, squad. I mean, the team probably that day was what Bonner, Boyd, McKinley, O'Neill, Mowbray, Grant, McLaughlin, McStay, Van Hoydonk, Falconer, O'Donnell, Walker and Collins. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and remember the score. Was it one each? One nil. John Collins scored. Uh, yeah, because I watched I watched that very grainy highlights on uh, Little Z's Twitter this morning, and uh, my God, does it look? I mean, it it looks uh, twenty seven years old. Oh my God, twenty seven years Stop old. Stop it! Stop it, JP. Stop it, mate. Um, great, great memories. But as, again, big shout out to Tommy Burns because for me, the rebuild he had on his hands was unlike anything any other manager has ever encountered. I mean, he was taking a club that uh, was on its knees and he was trying to rebuild the team whilst the club were being rebuilt, the stadium was being rebuilt. Um, and although we did get you know Van Hooydonk in that first season. You know, largely we were looking at guys like John Hughes, we were looking at Jackie Mack, you know, Morton Vicors from Dundee, a lot of domestic style buys. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing Tommy should have done is sign a goalie. Should have signed a top class goalkeeper. And that things. Matt Bonner played in that game. Yeah. Like, wild to think that Bonner was still playing in, in, in 95. The thing is, he had been freed. Bonner mm-hmm. and Nicholas had both been freed the, the previous campaign, mm-hmm. and Burns came in. And re-signed them. And I remember the 94 World Cup, the only player at the 1994 World Cup who was unattached was Pat Bonner. He was not a Celtic player at that World Cup. Even wow. though he had been a Celtic player the season before and he was a Celtic player the following season, he wasn't at that time. But did you just get a phone call while he was out in the States? You're like, Mackie, you fancy it for next <laughs> I, season? I know. <laughs> but I do remember his name coming up on the graphics on the TV screen, Pat Bonner, unattached. Oh, really? Playing in the World Cup. Nah. Unbelievable. He was meant to sign for Kilmarnock oh, really? as a goalkeeper. And then he comes back to Celtic. And he, play- he ends up playing in the cup final, doesn't he? Against Deirdre. Brilliant. There you go. We're just getting a wee bit nostalgic. We're forgetting that we're actually live here, JP. Uh, (laughs) There we go. Right. Thank you very much, everybody, for getting involved uh, on all the social media platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel. We are working on massive content coming your way. And on Saturday night, tune in to the Unplugged Session, number 39. It's the 39th Unplugged Session. This week, JP, is Nikki Lip. And I've already watched it. It is phenomenal. Tune in. You might remember Nicky from his days as a frontman of Sergeant. He's playing Tuts a week on Saturday. Is it? I played Tuts, headline and Tuts week on Saturday. Still tickets available. Um, it's going to be a good night, I think, uh, with Willie Doug 
supporting. And uh, yeah, Nicky is a Dundee United fan, attends games regularly, including away days, um, and likes to sport a, a retro Dundee United strip. So it will be, uh, it'll, one of us will be happy on uh, on Saturday night. Um, hopefully, it's me. <laughs> hopefully, I hope so. I, yeah, I mean, I know it's the cup and everything else, and it's not really what we're all about this season. But we've won one; we want to win another one, don't we? Why not? I just say, beware, Liam Smith. Liam Smith is their weapon at the moment at Dundee United. But yeah, tune in on Saturday night. Thanks for tuning in again, and thank you once again, JP Mason not JP Nelson, for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. may apply guys got hair loss i know what you're thinking should i shave my head comb it over wear a hat just stop this is in 1970 keep your hair and your confidence because bosley america's number one hair restoration experts can give you your real hair back permanently check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts easy to 203203 Dude, you don't have to look like your dad, because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Mobile phone companies say they offer for home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Social Podcast Network. Sports 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 Social Podcast Network. Network.